0: This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor.
1: And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Tuesday the 31st of August 2021, only one day to spring.
0: The last day of winter. And a lot of people in New South Wales are doing it really tough at the moment. The case numbers are climbing. There's a fair few people in hospital and ICU. And yet yesterday, the New South Wales Premier, Gladys Berejiklian, said that the worst is probably yet to come. And she said October may be the worst month for this wave in New South Wales, which feels a bit bleak because October is still a long way away and it's already pretty hard.
1: Yeah, I think she must be referring to the risk of hospitalisation going up. The curve is not bending at the moment, I mean, hopefully it will, but it's really being very resistant to the measures that are put in place. There is a risk with this virus that it could go into explosive growth because it's got a shorter, what's called serial interval. So in other words, the time for being infected to when you infect somebody else is shorter.
0: Delta specifically, like the same viruses we've been dealing with for a few months now.
1: That's right. The, The K number, which is not properly calculated, but this is if you you get hundred people infected, what proportion of that hundred people then go on to pass it to other people in other words it's infectious? Now, if people remember coronavirus from last year, it's eighty percent of people with the previous viruses don't go on to infect others. It's only twenty percent who are spreaders. But that is almost certainly much higher with Delta Delta. So that makes it that makes it worse as well. And the core in contagiousness is just so much higher. And you could get really explosive growth. But as you get into the several thousands a day, you are going to get increased hospitalizations. It will be mostly in the unvaccinated, but there's still a lot of unvaccinated people around. And that's going to put immense pressure on our hospital system, which could go through a period of a few weeks, which look like the stories you saw last year out of Italy and out of Britain, where you've got healthcare workers furloughed, under strain, uh, yes, we've got plenty of ventilators that we put in you know, alongside people in beds, but we may not have the healthcare staff to run them. So it could be a very rough four or five weeks until we get over the hump with vaccination.
0: No one wants to see that happen in Australia. Vaccination has been put up as uh, part of the way out here, and people in New South Wales are getting vaccinated at fantastic rates at the moment. When do vaccines start to tip the balance in the favour of things getting better?
1: Well, they'll already be having some effect. And you're hearing reports that the hospitalization rates do seem to be coming down a bit. And when you hear of poor outcomes, they are largely in the unvaccinated population. So, as more and more people, it's a percentage by percentage phenomenon. There's kind of no magic number where suddenly the sun shines and world is a better place. Each day goes by with another percent or 0.8% of the population in New South Wales immunised, then you're a percent better off. And and fewer people to become seriously ill. And we haven't been immunising for so long that you're going to see significant vaccine waning. So then you've got warmer weather coming to the aid of the situation where you've got better ventilated homes and what have you. So there are things ahead which will make a difference. Vaccination is already almost certainly having an effect because it will be reducing the number of people going into hospital. It's just not enough to be able to relax.
0: So you keep counting down to spring, Norman. You're saying that warmer weather might make a difference. Is it just because people open their windows? We have had a lot of questions from people over this last 18 months about how much COVID is seasonal or not.
1: It's generally accepted, I think, now amongst the virology and epidemiology community that this is a seasonal virus. It's just that when it breaks out into a huge epidemic curve, it swamps that but you saw in Britain a little bit easing of the curve when summer came in and kids were off school and uh, you didn't have so many people circulating naturally, although that's not had an influence in the United States where you've got a major surge in very hot weather.
0: And in some of the hottest states.
1: That's right, but in a largely unvaccinated population. So I think you're already seeing the beginnings of an influence of vaccination. It's just not huge yet.
0: So at an individual level, what can people be doing now to help? protect themselves and their community
1: wear a mask outdoors at all times and indoors when you're in public spaces be aware of hygiene it probably doesn't make a huge effect but be aware of hygiene in your own home if you can and you're not going to freeze to death open the windows make sure you're very well ventilated so you've got lots of air around um, you know and get outside for your exercise keeps you know and stay healthy try to keep your weight down because weight going up is not good for covid and your health and well-being get vaccinated those are all the things that you can be doing
0: so one of the biggest questions we've had apart from the acute phase of the the infection where people worry about getting very very sick there's also this thing that we've seen with covid long covid where people have these prolonged symptoms that last for months and months it's really hard to know how long long covid lasts for when we've only been living with this pandemic for 18 months but the people who've been living with with it the longest are of course people from Wuhan in China and there's been a new study that's looked at the long symptoms that people there have had as a bit of an indicator of just how long long covid can last.
1: Yeah, so they've followed up people who in Wuhan who were um, in a hospital called Jinan Tan Hospital between January the 7th and May 29th last year and then they've done 6 month and 12 month follow-up visits. And nearly thirteen, hundred people completed both visits. There were most of them were around the age of sixty, um, slightly more men than women. So at the first visit, nearly seventy percent of them had symptoms still persisting at six months. What
0: kinds of symptoms?
1: So there were breathlessness, um, there were anxiety and depression, there were breathlessness, fatigue, muscle weakness also pain and discomfort and the good news was that at 12 months that had dropped significantly but it was still 50% of people at 12 months had at least one symptom. Interestingly the incidence of breathlessness actually increased during the 12 months. They don't explain necessarily why. Um, Men were more likely to feel fatigued and have just general weakness, muscle weakness And survivors at twelve months had just general more generally more problems with getting about, and these psychological problems of anxiety and depression were significant as well. So, essentially, there was still a fairly high prevalence—you know, fifty percent is very high, I would expect—of at least one symptom. But the the good news was that even if they had symptoms, they had got back to work mostly, um, and were doing quite well. So. Whilst they still had symptoms, they weren't necessarily severe. But it just shows you the impact of long COVID.
0: So Norman, let's take some questions. And Edna's asking: well, Edna's confused by the federal government's targets of seventy percent, eighty percent immunisation before opening up, and makes the point that there's a really big difference between the seventy and eighty percent targets. Can you explain?
1: Yeah. So just in crude numbers, before we get to the implications, at seventy percent of over sixteens, that's that's about not far, you know, ten to twelve million people unimmunized and exposed. At eighty percent, it's probably around eight eight million people unimmunized. So it's a lot of people. But in terms of the Doherty model, um, 70%, not that much happens. It's just the beginnings of opening up, very tentative, not very much happens at 70%. At 80%, depending on the case numbers, you go to a lower rate of, of lockdown. It's complicated, but essentially at 80%, it depends on the case numbers, really. And if you've got lowercase numbers, contact tracing is really good and you can keep it in control, which means that lighter restrictions like mask wearing, a bit of social distancing, being very careful, becomes the dominant way of controlling the uh, pandemic as opposed to se- severe lockdowns. But if contact tracing is diminished then you could be spending 30% of your time at 80% in severe lockdown in or in serious lockdown in order to to be able to control the numbers so they don't get away from you and so there's a, there are a bit a few ifs and buts about that and if you want to know more about that i suggest you listen to last night's health report which you can get on podcast where I interviewed Sharon Loon to try and shed some light on that.
0: Well, speaking of vaccinations, Daniel wants to know what the likelihood is that our third doses of mRNA vaccines will have been changed to specifically target the Delta variant.
1: Um, I think some people will be getting third doses of the existing vaccine just because the people who were vaccinated early on and who've gone for six months will just need a booster and they'll get what's going. I'm really not sure when the, the variant vaccines are going to be approved for use, But I think that'll be a bit into next year. And um, so some people will get those boosters, but not everybody.
0: Actually, Felicity's asking about just that. What's the likelihood Australia will roll out booster shots by Christmas? The science seems to support a booster will be needed at six months. And Felicity says, for those of us who adopted full vaccination early, it seems that our immunity will be waning just as the government hits the 80% and plans to start opening up again.
1: Well, if you look at the ABC's data journalists and their predictions, that we uh, will be at very high rates of immunisation or there will be possible to be at that because there won't be any supply restriction by Christmas. So um, I think the government's going to be in a pretty good position to be able to supply booster shots at the six or eight month level. So there should be no barrier to that.
0: Well, that's all we've got time for in today's CoronaCast. Like Norman says, check out the health report last night and also uh, leave us a question at abc.net.au slash CoronaCast.
1: And we'll see you tomorrow.